Okay, welcome brothers and sisters to this episode of the BQA. And the topic of our studies for tonight is about homosexuality, specifically what does the Bible teach or say about homosexuality in general. Now we know this is a controversial topic and it's something that has been hotly debated not only now but even before this decade. And so it's something that we need to understand because there might be people who not understand the difference between tolerating you know a person who's homosexual and you know completely rejecting them or accepting homosexuality or approving of it. So what is our stand as members of the Assembly of Yahusha concerning homosexuality? And so to fully answer these questions, we're going to take two BQA episodes. So we have the first episode today. We'll have the next episode, of course, next week. For So we have four questions we're going to be addressing. What does the Bible say about homosexuality? Uh, what if people are born gay? Because there are those who raise that argument. Well, you know, why did God make me this way? If God made me this way, if I was born gay, then of course it's not my fault that I engage in practices of homosexuality. And what is the pro-gay theology about and how do they make a biblical argument for homosexuality? There are theologians today. There are people who profess to be Bible scholars and even pastors of churches who are now teaching uh, that the Bible does not condemn but condones and allows for the practice of homosexuality. And we're going to take a look at their biblical arguments and see what we can learn from that and how to rebut uh, those arguments. And lastly, how can we truly love, right, those who practice homosexuality? As you know, we are followers of Yahusha, and we do our best not to practice any kind of division. We want to include everyone, because when it comes to salvation, Yahusha is exclusive, right? Yahuwah was exclusive when it comes to salvation. He wants all people to be saved, and that includes homosexuals. However, there's an inclusion part when it comes to salvation, when Yahushua says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so when a person decides to follow Yahushua as the way, the truth, and the life, then what does that entail? What does that? What does Yahushua require from that person? And this all, all boils down to being able to share the truth with even people who practice homosexuality not for the purpose of condemning them, but for the purpose of giving them the information they need so that they can follow the path that leads to salvation. So it's a pretty long series. We'll tackle or discuss the first two questions. What does the Bible say about homosexuality? And what if people are born gay? And so let's begin with number one. What exactly uh, does scripture say about the practice of homosexuality? Let's begin here. In Ephesians 4, verse 15, before I go directly to that question, I just want to preface everything uh, with the following statement from the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4, 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. And so when we preach the truth here in the assembly of Yahushua, when we preach what the Bible says about homosexuality, it must be with the spirit of love, right? Because a person can speak the truth with a spirit of condemnation, right? A person can speak the truth with a spirit of hate. A person can speak the truth with a spirit of bitterness. A person can speak the truth with a spirit of pride. But we're not going to do that. 
That's not the way to preach the spirit of truth or, or to speak the truth. We speak the truth in the spirit of love. At the opposite end of that, there are people who emphasize love, right? And that's all they think about. And to the point that they now forsake truth. It's all about love. And so I'm going to tolerate you. It doesn't matter what you believe. You know, I believe what you believe. Or I agree with what you believe. Everything's okay. Homosexuality is okay. I agree with homosexuality. And so in the name of love, I accept what you're doing. And so at the same time, they reject the truth. And so it has to go both ways. There has to be a balance. Both go together, right? And both do not go against each other. So truth and not just love, love and not just truth. Or it's an example of uh, uh, people who followed our King Yahushua and because they wanted to preach and proclaim the truth in the spirit of pride, they requested something from Yahushua. I want to read here the book of Luke 9, 54 to 56. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Here we have James and John, and they encountered a group of people who were mocking them, right? They did not agree with the Christian message. They did not believe that Yahushua was the, of course, the, the Messiah. And so what do they want to do? Well, because of their love for the truth, they wanted to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them. Now, there is, unfortunately, people who profess Christianity, and when they preach a message about homosexuality, there are some pastors who say things like, you know, if they're homosexuals, they should all burn in hell, right? There are people who think like that. You know, we should gather up all the homosexuals in one island and just nuke them all. I've, we've heard those messages before in, in some pulpits. And so that's preaching the truth, but not with the same spirit of love. This is why Yahushua, when he rebuked James and John, what did he say to James and John? He says, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Yes, we preach the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth holy. But we have to do so in the spirit of love. Now, what does it mean to preach the truth in the spirit of love? Our King Yahushua says that he came not to destroy the lives of people, but to save them. You see, our King Yahushua came here not to destroy people. He came here to destroy sin. He came here to destroy death. This is why to preach the truth in the spirit of love, what we need to do is to show the people who are practicing sin that sin is something they must remove from their life because sin destroys and so if a person decides not to follow Yahushua and follows the sin anyways well then there's they're really destroying themselves right and so we present the truth in the spirit of love and we preach and practice love but not at the expense of forsaking the truth this is why we need to know the truth or what the bible says about homosexuality there is a difference between tolerating people and approving of and legitimizing their behavior. For example, there's someone who becomes your friend. 
Maybe you're going to college, you're going to a university, or you're in high school. Here's a friend, right? He talks to you, and then you find out he or she is a homosexual. What are you going to do? Are you going to say, oh, you're homosexual? Stay away from me. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Is that what we're going to do? Is that the spirit of love? That's not the spirit of love. Well, what does it mean that we practice a spirit of love yet upholding the truth? Well, we can tolerate the person, meaning we don't shun them, right? We still are there with them because we want to teach them the truth so that one day, Yahuwah willing, they will embrace that truth and the truth will set them free. And so we can be friends with people who are homosexuals, but we do not approve and legitimize their behavior. We can say to them, look, you know, I don't approve of your behavior. I don't approve homosexuality. It's not okay because the Bible tells us it's not okay. However, you're my friend, right? And I want to sh share with you my faith and my belief about that, but it's up to you to embrace it or not. And so when we say we do not approve of homosexuality, it does not mean we do not love the homosexual. Because sometimes when we preach we are against homosexuality, people automatically think and conclude we are haters, right? You are a bigot. You hate homosexuals. No, we hate the practice of homosexuality. We don't hate the homosexual. To say that we don't agree with homosexuality doesn't mean that we hate the person who practices homosexuality. It's like a person, you know, when we hate, for example, the practice of adultery. If a person's an adulterer, does it mean we're going to hate that person? No, we want them to change, right? And so we need to know the truth about homosexuality and preach it with love. So what does the Bible actually say about homosexuality? Let's read the book of Corinthians chapter 6 and the verses 9. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality. And so Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthians, he is very specific about certain actions and practices that will lead to the relinquishing of inheriting the kingdom of God. And so people who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What is included? Bible says, Apostle Paul says, those who practice homosexuality. Now, what is this practice of homosexuality? In Leviticus 18, Verse 22, no man is to have sexual relations with another man. Of course, it goes the same way for females, right? No woman is to have sexual relations with another woman. The Bible says God hates that. And so why must we not practice homosexuality? Why must we not say it's okay to practice homosexuality? Because if we say it's okay, if we approve and legitimize the practice of homosexuality, then we are saying that we approve of the things that God hates. And we don't want to do that. We want to agree with God. We don't want to disagree with God. We want to submit ourselves to the will of Yahuwah Abba. The Bible says God hates the practice of homosexuality. And because he is our creator, it is but right that we accept his purpose and plan for sexuality. And that has nothing to do with homosexuality. And to show that Yahuwah hates uh, homosexuality, 
This is what he says in Leviticus 20, verse 13. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, which, of course, means having a sexual relationship, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And so the Bible teaches not only does God hate the practice of homosexuality, the Bible even says that those who do such, well, they are to be put to death. And so clearly the Bible is against, right, the practice of homosexuality. Now, why is Yahuwah Abba against the practice of homosexuality? Let's read the book of Genesis chapter 1, 27 to 28. Of course, we are at that part of the Bible where it talks about creation. In creation, we have a creator, right? Who is the creator? Yahuwah. And when Yahuwah created, he had a purpose. He had a design. He had a design for the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, the trees, the plants, the animals. Yahuwah also has a design for man and woman. He had a design for everything that he created. Let's read all about that. Genesis 1, 27, 28. So God created human beings in his own image. What does that mean? Yahuwah's purpose in creating us is for us to be like him in love and holiness. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish and in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So according to scriptures, Yahuwah made male and female for the purpose of being fruitful and multiplying. So how can human beings be fruitful and multiply? When a male has intercourse with a female, right? Is it possible to reproduce biologically when you have two males having this kind of relationship? Is that possible? No. Is it possible for two females or two males to do that? It's not. It's only between a male and a female. And so Yahuwah says, you are male, you are female, be fruitful and multiply. However, who are those who should practice this kind of relationship? Let's keep reading about Yahuwah's design in Genesis 2, 24, 25. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So Yahuwah, in Genesis 2.24, is speaking about the sexual relationship, being of one flesh. And who are those who can, according to the law of Yahuwah, practice uh, sexual relationships? The Bible says those who are joined together as husband and wife. That is the blessing of marriage. And so because they were joined by Yahuwah in marriage, though they were naked, they were not ashamed. And so when we look at design as done so by our creator who had a purpose for his creation, what can we learn about the blessing of sex? Because there are those who think when they hear the word sex, oh, it's dirty, it's bad. It's not bad. It's a blessing, right? It's a blessing from Yahuwah to human beings. However, for it to remain a blessing, it must be practiced according to its design. And so what is that design? According to what we read in Genesis so far, it must be a man with a woman, okay? 
It must be after being joined in marriage. And it must be only between the man and his wife. And so these are the guidelines. This is the design that Yahuwah came up with during creation so that man and woman can have a sexual relationship. It is only through marriage and only between husband and wife and no one else. And so based on this design, anything that deviates from this design for sex is considered sexual immorality. You get it? This is the moral plan for sex. But there are human beings who reject the moral plan. And so they commit sexual immorality. And so when we look at these three things, based on Genesis 1 and 2, what is considered sexual immorality? Well, man with man or woman with woman, fornication, sex before marriage, adultery, sex with another's spouse. And so clumped together in this category called sexual immorality, we include homosexuality, fornication, and adultery. So the Bible calls that, in general, sexual immorality. Why is it called sexual immorality? Because it's rejected Yahuwah's purpose and design for a blessed sexual relationship. And so as human beings, we must not reject Yahuwah's plan. Those who do so are considered ab abominable in the sight of Yahuwah Abba. But why do people nowadays practice homosexuality? And why is it that there seems to be an increase in the approval of the practice of homosexuality? What is the root cause behind that? The book of Romans 1, 25 uh, down to 27, this is what it says. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worship and serve the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulge in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relationships, relation, relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserve. And so what is the cause behind the practice of homosexuality? According to the Bible, okay, we're talking about the Bible. The cause for that is because people have traded the truth of, about God for a lie. They rejected the creator. And so instead of submitting themselves to the purpose of Yahuwah, they created their own purpose. Instead of submitting to the creator's will and desire, they wanted to indulge their own selfish desires and wishes. And so because they have rejected and not believed Yahuwah, they traded the truth about God for a lie. And when they did this, what did they do? They abandoned the natural way, the natural use of sex. In other words, they committed sexual immorality, which includes a man and a man, a woman and a woman, and according to Apostle Paul, and so we are in the New Testament now, even according to Apostle Paul, homosexuality, the practice of it is a sin against the Holy Bible. And so what must we do if, for example, there are people who do practice homosexuality and they consider themselves to be belonging to Christ? In Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, the law 
is for people who are sexually immoral or who practice homosexuality or are slave traders, liars, promise breakers, or do anything else that contradicts the wholesome teaching. What is our responsibility as followers of our King Yahushua? We must let the law be our standard that we can be corrected by. And so when we follow Yahushua, it doesn't mean we abandon the Ten Commandments. We abandon the law in the Old Testament. This is why we study all about the Old Testament, right, teachings. And we know we follow not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. According to Apostle Paul, those who follow Yahushua, we still look at the law because it's perfect and it's good. There are people who say that homosexuality should be considered as something that a, pra a practicing Christian can engage in because they say, well, the law is something that's bad. And during the Christian era, we don't need the law anymore. No, the law still applies to us because it's a way by which we can determine behaviors that should be changed or corrected. And that what, what is, And one thing that can be considered that needs to be changed is the practice of homosexuality. And so clearly the Bible teaches us that practicing homosexuality is a sin against Yahuwah. It is an abomination in the eyes of our Father. And so we who practice Christianity, we who practice um, the teachings of the Bible, we must not approve of it. We must oppose it. But at the same time, we want to help those who may be victims of it come out of that kind of behavior so that they can follow wholesome teaching and follow our King Yahusha. And in our next episode, we're going to talk about you know, some of the Bible teachers today who are looking into scriptures, including the passages I read to you today. And they're going to say that we're not looking at the context of the passages and they're going to teach using the same scriptures that we use and come up with the conclusion that homosexuality during our time can be practiced even by those who profess to be followers of Yahusha. And you'll be surprised at how they kind of twist the Holy Scripture. So that's for next episode. But for today, let's look at you know, the following question. What if people are born gay? And the reason why we bring this up is because there are people who say, you know, when they practice homosexuality, they say, I was born this way. You know, ever since I was six, I like to play with dolls, right? I like to put on makeup. I like to wear women's clothing. This is my orientation. I cannot help myself. This is what I feel, right? And so when people say I was born this way and they practice homosexuality, it's like they, they want to pass the responsibility of obedience away from themselves and they want to blame someone else. They want to blame, they want to blame God because if I was born this way, it means God created me this way, right? So if God created me this way, and if I'm going to be true to myself, then it should be okay to practice homosexuality. This is why we need to understand, well, is it, I mean, is that really the case? I mean, were we born gay? We're going to speak on a, based on science for a little bit, okay? We'll kind of sidetrack and look at scientific findings concerning how people end up becoming homosexual. And this is the research that was done by Peter Berman and Hannah Brockner, uh, from the Institute of Social and Economic Research and Policy 2001, conducted a comprehensive study of twins and same-sex attraction. Now, there are two kinds of twins, dizygotic 
and monozygotic. What's the difference between the two? What do you call a dizygotic twin? It's, it, they're not identical. And so sometimes you meet twins, one is a female, one is a male, right? And so they do not have identical genes. And so what the study focused on are not dizygotic twins, but monozygotic twins, which means identical twins. They have the same DNA. They have the same genetic material. And so what did they find out when they conducted this comprehensive study? Well, the study shows that homosexuality is not genetically based. There are many people who say because they feel something in their flesh, you know, God made me this way. And so it must be based on my genes. Well, according to the study, it's not. Homosexuality is not genetically based. Because if it is, then we would expect that monozygotic twins or twins that have identical DNA should have the highest concordance for same-sex erotic preference. But the data shows that for identical twins, if one gay, uh, if one is gay, there's only a 6.7% chance that the other will also be gay. I mean, if you had identical twins, let's say Jane and Mary, right? If Jane is gay, they're both identical twins. If it is genetically linked, then Mary should be gay 100% of the time, right? Or at least close to 100%. But what does the data show? The data shows if Jane is gay, there's only a 6.7% chance that Mary is also going to be gay. So for the vast majority of identical twins, one is gay and the other is not gay. That's very interesting. So that destroys this idea that there are genes that make you gay. And what's even more interesting is the last statement that they found out. For non-identical twins, surprisingly, there is a 7.2% chance. And so if you had two people who were not even related, there's a 7.2% chance, right, for non-identical twins, let's say dizygotic twins, there's a 7.2% chance that both end up becoming gay. That's interesting, which tells us the genes do not cause a person to be gay. And so not only that, uh, there was also a comprehensive study concerning, uh, you know, what influences, what causes, um, a person to be gay. And so this book was published in 1999. It was revised in 2010. They, they also have um, a website that updates their research. And after many, many years, many decades of research and drawing upon hundreds, uh, thousands, ten thousands of scientific papers and publications, they came up with this following conclusion. Let's take a look at some of the, uh, the summary, some of the main points of the research and so when we look at and test the biological cause, because there are people who say there's a biological cause for the onset of homosexuality. And so we, they've already shown that there's no homosexual gene, right? There's no gene structure and function that can be an explanation for homosexuality. They also looked at the relationship between homosexuality and the exposure to prenatal hormones. And they found that there's no causality. They also looked at the possibility of an immune attack on the male brain and found there's no correlation. They also looked at male and female brains at birth and they found no structural difference. And so when they looked at possible physical or biological causes for the onset of homosexuality, they could find none. And so they want to know, these researchers, well, what determines, what influences the onset of homosexuality. Well, so they found 
the following, uh, they, they studied um, uh, using uh, samples and interviews and they took a survey and what they found were the fo following correlations. Uh, divorce doubles the risk of later homosexuality in children. So marital strife that somehow influences a child's understanding of sexuality because sexuality is something that's fluid, it's dynamic, it changes from time to time according to the study. It's not static, it's not fixed, something that uh, changes over time. And it changes, and it, it's most uh, influential when they are at the time when they're still under their parents' house, right? During adolescent, during their child, their, well, their children, elementary school, uh, junior high school, high school. And so they're kind of experimenting. They don't really know who they are yet. And so it's really, really malleable. It's always, it's very fluid. It's not static. They also found the stages of psychosocial development toward adult heterosexuality are well-defined and accepted by developmental psychologists and are so obviously learned that heterosexuality is clearly not genetically mandated. In surveys of adult homosexuals, many show deficits in several of these developmental stages, suggesting that homosexuality is cultural, right? And environmental rather than genetic. And so if we're going to look at causes of homosexuality, instead of blaming our genes, instead of blaming our God, well, we can point to environment, culture, okay? Because they have the most influence in the development of homosexuality. There's a much higher occurrence of homosexuality among those who have been raised in large cities rather than in rural areas, arguing that the environment is much more powerful than genes in the development of homosexuality. And so this tells us the studies, you know, the, which draws from at least 10,000 articles about the study of homosexuality and 10,000 studies, that's a lot of studies, right? That's a lot of research. And when you draw from that wealth of information about homosexuality, the two things that they concluded, number one, there's no physical cause. There's no biological or genetic cause. Number two, if there is a cause, it is environmental, it is cultural. And so the studies reveal that homosexuality is what? Learned behavior. And so if it's learned behavior, guess what? Can it be unlearned? Yes. If it's learned behavior, it can be unlearned. You see, homosexuality is, doesn't have to be a permanent orientation. Because if it is learned behavior, then it can be unlearned. And this is what they found out in their studies and their research. Again, from that same group, uh, about half of those with exclusive SSA. When we say SSA, we mean same-sex attraction. Half, that's 50%, half move towards heterosexuality over a lifetime. But another way, 3% of practicing heterosexual population claim to have been to have once been either bisexual or homosexual. And so we can see here that homosexuality is very fluid. It changes over time. These changes are not therapeutically induced because 
what they used to do back in the day, I guess in the 1950s, 1940s, when they had people who were, they had tendencies to practice homosexuality, they did shock therapy, <laughs> which of course is not right, right? I mean, no kind, no therapy should include shock therapy, <laughs> right? Um, and even, I guess in the Philippines, what do they do when they find out their kid is kind of practicing homosexuality? What do they do? They put him like, uh, they do something strange, yeah, strange practices that I can't even describe here. <laughs> but anyways, according to the research, you know, people who go from being homosexual to heterosexual, according to them, it happens naturally in life and very quickly. Most changes in sexual orientation are towards exclusive heterosexuality. And so that tells us one thing, right? The biological disposition, the genetic disposition for a normal male, female is to practice heterosexuality. Sometimes, because maybe of stress in the family home or stress in their environment or because of the influence of culture, they get bombarded with information. What do they do? They want to experiment, especially when they're young. They don't really truly know themselves because they're still developing, right? When you're still developing, you don't know what you like, but you know what you don't like. And so when they are at that stage, they begin to dabble and kind of experiment with homosexuality but then eventually they go back they go back to heterosexuality uh, numbers of people who have changed towards exclusive uh, osa are greater than current numbers of bisexuals and exclusive ssa people combined in other words ex-gays outnumber actual gays right so exclusive osa opposite sex attraction is 17 times as stable as exclusive SSA for men and 30 times as stable as exclusive SSA for women. Women have about more, uh, move about more in their sexual orientation than men. So women are more fluid than men, but both are fluid, especially in their teenage years or in their, uh, during the childhood times. This is why when, pe when people are in those stages of life, they are children, adolescents, they're very vulnerable to the programming of culture. I want you to keep that in mind, okay? And so, because you're gonna be influenced by that. Also, according to the same study for adolescents, okay? This is for adolescents. Most teenagers will change from SSA. In fact, and this is astonishing, in the 16 to 17 year age group, right? 98% will move from homosexuality and bisexuality towards heterosexuality. 98%. How many of you know someone who practiced homosexuality when you were in high school? You probably had a couple of friends who were homosexual, right? And you kind of hung out with them. You'd be surprised 98% of them eventually will transition to become heterosexual. You see how fluid it is, especially when they're still developing? like an adolescent, like a child, 16 year, uh, year old say, saying they are SSA or bi-attracted are 25 times more likely to say uh, they are opposite sex attracted at the age of 17. And those with a heterosexual orientation are likely to identify themselves as bisexual or homosexual. 16 year olds who claim they are opposite sex attracted will overwhelmingly remain that way. And so, 
this tells us that the inclination, the natural inclination of human beings is towards heterosexuality, which makes sense, which is by design, because after all, Yahuwah wants people to reproduce, because if there's no reproduction, what would happen to the population of the earth? It would die down, right? It would die out. What would happen to our civilization? So we need um, to follow the purpose of Yahuwah, the natural course of sex, which is between a man and a woman. So we can see, we can learn from this study overwhelmingly that homosexuality is not caused by genetics. Instead, it is caused by learned behavior. We learn this behavior. And because we learn this behavior, if there's going to be a shift in culture promoting certain ideas and certain practices, what can we expect? With, the, with the number of people who practice homosexuality, we can expect it to increase, right? And so we took a look, take a look at this Gallup poll, and which um, basically tells us there's an increase in, at least in America, self-identifying as LGBTQ. Did I say that right? LGBT, LGBTQ. Right. So from 2012, 3.5, and then by 2021, 7.1. So there's a steady increase in people identifying as LGBT. And when you look at, you know, the different kind, you know how you, what do you call that when you are born a certain year and you're called Gen Z and then millennials, what do you call that? The different categories of generations, the generational names, right? And so we have here Generation Z, Millennials, Generation X, Baby Boomers, Traditionalists. So where, where will I fall in this category, this generation? Generation X, I guess? Yeah? No, I think I'm, I think I'm Millennial. Millennial. So I'm Millennial. No. I'm millennial. Anyways, Traditionalists, 0.8 identify as LGBTQ. Uh, then the next one, baby boomers, 2.6. Generation X, 4.2. Millennials, 10.5. And then Generation Z, 20.8. Today, it's a lot higher. And the past couple of months, the past year, I don't know the exact percentage, but it just skyrocketed. And that's because of the influence of what? Media, right? Influence of Facebook, social media and the constant exposure so that people begin to want to adopt homosexual practices. Now, you know, when you look at this uh, development, this increase in the acceptance of LGBT practices, a lot of it actually came from this book, this book called After the Ball, How America Will Conquer Its Fear and Hatred of Gays in the 90s. And so this book, um, kind of set the stage for, you know, how to kind of change the opinions that people have when it comes to the practice of homosexuality. Because back in the 1940s, as you saw in the graph, basically most, the majority of people felt it was wrong to practice homosexuality, right? And then all of a sudden, like 20%, 30%, and so it's just growing. And so the idea behind this book is they're going to find a strategy to basically promote homosexuality to the point 
it's accepted in society. And so they followed a three, uh, three strategies. It's a three-step plan. And this three-step plan is what a lot of uh, advertisers use. And according to the authors of this book, the, the three-step the three plan begins with number one, desensitize. What does that mean? Well, when you expose a person to something that they dislike again and again and again and again and again and again, what happens to that person? They become desensitized. They're no longer sensitive to it. And so, for example, you hate rats, right? You don't like rats. You see a rat, you kind of, you know, you run away and you feel queasy inside, right? But if you see it every single day, every time you go to social media, every time you go to YouTube, you know, you see rats in, in your house, <laughs> right? Rats, rats everywhere. Eventually your sensitivity to rats go away, right? You're no longer sensitive to rats. That's desensitization. So the plan is, you know, we're gonna use movies. We're gonna use social media. We're going to use um, YouTube videos, right? We're gonna use television shows. Let's focus on Disney. Because if you have Disney characters who are now, you know, promoting same-sex love affairs, all of a sudden, people become desensitized to it, right? And so they begin to accept it unconsciously, right? And so that's the first step. But they're not content with the first step. They're not content with just people kind of accepting it unconsciously. So they go to the next step. They call it jamming. And this step involves not just exposing the population of the world, not just exposing the people to homosexual, homosexuality, but also what they want to do is to vilify. They make into villains or they make into bad people those who do not agree with the practice of homosexuality. So now you're getting somewhere, right? And so if somebody will post on their Facebook, you know, I don't agree with the practice of homosexuality, they're going to call you a hater. They're going to call you a villain. And so you're vilifying those who don't agree with the practice of homosexuality. So not only have they desensitized the practice of homosexuality, they're using jamming strategies to make as bad people, those who say, oh, we don't approve in the practice of homosexuality. And this sets the stage for number three, conversion. When we say conversion, we don't mean that this all people are going to convert to becoming homosexuals. Although a big, I mean, a substantially amount of people, substantial amount of people begin to do exactly that, right? But when we say conversion, it means they become, they begin to approve and to embrace homosexuality. It becomes part of the norm, okay? So that's the three-step process, desensitize, cause the people to begin to accept it unconsciously, jamming, vilify those who disagree with homosexuality, and conversion, directly approving and embracing the practice of homosexuality. This is what we are in now. The culture today is such that we have they have achieved number three, right? The population today has been, convert, uh, been converted to embrace and to directly approve the practice of homosexuality. And the reason why we bring this up is because of the potential danger that it brings when it comes to young children, 13 years old, 10 years old, 
uh, 18 years old, 17 years old. You know why? Because many young people today, because of the constant cultural information being brought to their minds, are beginning to accept and believe that practicing homosexuality is kind of like the norm now. This is why you have new categories, male, female, right? What are the other categories? Male, female, um, other, or something like that, right? You have different, different categories now. And so some of these young kids are confused and they think it's normal. And so more and more people now, can you imagine a 10 year old going to a psychotherapist and saying to the psychotherapist, I'm a male born in a female's body. And I wanna get a sex change, right? Young people getting hormone treatment because they feel while they're 13 years old, I don't think I'm supposed to be a male. I don't think I'm supposed to be female. And so they get these uh, treatment for their bodies. And the sad part is doctors do it, right? The doctors do it. The therapists approve of it. And so what's gonna happen to our society? And there's a recent Fox News article that came out, which highlights the danger of what I just talked about. This was published December 11th, so just two days ago. Retired Navy SEAL made famous after coming out as trans announces now detransition, right? And so he says, destroyed my life. I destroyed my life. I'm not a victim. I did this to myself, but I had help. So this, this Navy SEAL, and this is the article, a retired Navy SEAL who became famous nearly 10 years ago after coming out as a transgender announced he is detransitioning and called on Americans to wake up about how transgender health services are hurting children. So there's something now that's called transgender health services. And then he goes on to say, everything you see on CNN with my face, do not even believe a word of it. Chris Beck, formerly known as Christine Beck, told conservative influencer Robbie Starbuck in an interview published earlier this month, everything that happened to me for the last 10 years destroyed my life. I destroyed my life. I'm not a victim. I did this to myself, right? He or she uh, confesses it was her choice, but I had help. And a lot of people today have a lot of help in making people choose to practice homosexuality or to change genders. I take full responsibility, he continued. I went on CNN and everything else. And that's why I'm here right now. I'm trying to correct that. He goes on to say, I was used. I was very naive. I was in a really bad way. I, I was in a really bad way and I got taken advantage of. I got propagandized. I got used badly by a lot of people who had knowledge way beyond me. They knew what they were doing. I didn't, he said during the interview. Uh, Beck served in the Navy for 20 years, including on SEAL Team 6. He was deployed 13 times and received more than 50 medals and ribbons for his service. Beck said he's speaking out about transgenderism to protect children in the current political climate, that there are gender clinics over all America. Did you know right now there are gender clinics and a psychiatrist will speak to you, maybe you're 10 years old, 13 years old, and you, all you need to do is say to the psychiatrist, you look, doc, I don't feel like I'm myself. <laughs> I feel like I should be female, not male. Or I feel I should be male, not female. And what does the psychiatrist do? 
or they give you hormone treatment. Some may even have surgical treatment. This is happening now. Young people are being approved to receive treatment, either hormonal or surgical, because they want to change their sex. And this is amazing. This is happening now. There are thousands of general clinics being put up over all America as soon as kids go in and say, I'm a tomboy, or this makes me feel, um, this makes me, me feel comfortable. And then a psychologist says, oh, you're transgender. And then the next day, you're on hormones, the same hormones they use for medical castration for pedophiles. Now they are giving this to healthy 13-year-olds. Can you imagine that? This is why you know, some molecular biologists are now giving the warning. And this should be a warning to all of us. You know, there's a danger in using puberty blockers, hormonal treatment. And so we have to be aware of the kind of danger this, this is bringing. It's destroying lives. That's the spirit of Abaddon, Apollyon, right? And the fallen angels are using um, social media. They're using politics to destroy the lives of many people. And one of the ways they do that is by destroying sexual orientation, by getting people to practice something that will jeopardize the plans of Yahuwah, right? And so we need to be aware of that. And so we who are parents, we who have children, especially if our kids are still very young, let's say 10 years old or adolescent in high school, we have to tell them about what the truth is and what culture tells us to be the truth. There's a difference, you know, because nowadays people don't believe in absolute truth. They believe in moral relativism. This is the kind of uh, cultural um, things that we receive today, and young children are being programmed to believe that. But we, as people of Elohim, what must we uphold? The book of Romans 12, verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so, brothers and sisters, if we have young children, let us make sure that we are talking to them about their understanding of truth according to culture, and then let's tell them what the truth is according to the Bible. Why? Because if they will accept the culture's version of truth, then they're going to end up copying the behavior and the customs of this world, including the practice of homosexuality. So as people of God, we need to tell them that the Bible is what should influence our thinking. And so what should we do with our children? Bible says, direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. So direct them. This means communicating with them, knowing what they're learning in school and telling them what they should be believing or telling them what the Bible says. This includes screening what they find on YouTube, right? You'll be surprised the kind of programming YouTube provides. At a young age, young people are being exposed to the practice of homosexuality, right? Disney shows are promoting that now. I mean, it's like every other show on TV today, they have to include some kind of LGBTQ. Otherwise, they're going to be considered out of the loop or not culturally relevant, right? And so they're going to be receiving some hate. And so we have to direct their paths 
because if we don't direct their paths, they're going to follow the path of the world, and we don't want them uh, to do that. And so how can we be effective, be an effective influence in the path and the lives of our children? Ephesians 6.4, parents do not treat your children in such a way as to make them angry. Instead, raise them with Christian discipline and instruction. So according to the Holy Bible, if we want to really have a connection, if you want to influence our children, it begins with having a proper relationship with them. What does that include? Do not treat your children in such a way as to make them angry. And so when we want to teach effectively, we have to teach in a way that will cause them to want to listen to what we say. Because if you're going to, if they're angry, right, because we did something to cause them to become angry, do you think they're going to listen to what we say? All the more, they're going to do the opposite of what we say, right? This is why effective Christian instruction begins with establishing a loving relationship, not a reactive one, but a loving relationship with their children so that we can teach them what the Bible reveals and teaches about what culture is teaching today, right? And so we need to be there to direct the steps of our young kids. Well, what if, let's say, for example, going back to the question, what if I'm born gay? Because there are people today who, you know, they just really feel like doing something, right? When you feel like doing something, you begin to identify with that and you say to yourself, this is me. This is what a lot of people say now. I feel like doing this. This is me. And so they identify themselves with what they feel inside. And so let's say, for example, let's just say, for example, for the sake of argument, what if it's true that people are born gay? What if it's true people are born homosexual? Does it mean we should commit homosexuality? No. Why? Because it's still a sin against Yahuwah. Well, then are we going to blame Yahuwah for that? No, you don't blame Yahuwah for that. What do we blame for that? Or what is the cause for that? Romans 5 verse 12, therefore just as sin entered the world through one man, death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. The Bible says the reason why, this is really the root cause of why people end up practicing something that is against the will of Yahuwah. It is the problem of sin when it entered the world through one man. Who is that one man? Adam. So when sin entered the world, something happened to reality. What happened to reality? In Romans 8, 21 to 23, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. And so when sin entered the world, what happened to reality? The Bible says all creation, including our genes, our biology, it's been corrupted. All creation is now subject to the prison of death and decay. This is why all of reality really is suffering from devolution ever since the time of Adam and Eve. It was getting worse and worse and worse, right? And so we now have a sin nature because of the flesh. The flesh that we live in, the body that we live in, 
it limits our ability to become and to live as true children of Abba. This is why we still groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit. We still groan. Why? Because we still live in this flesh. Our body has not been redeemed yet. We have not yet received our new bodies. And so because we are still with this old body, which is corruptible, subject to death and decay, sometimes there are people who will have this propensity, right, to feel homosexual urges. But what do we need to understand about these homosexual urges? They are the same urges that people have when they have the urge to become gluttons. <laughs> What's a glutton? Yeah, people who love buffets. <laughs> and they just like eat buffets again and again and again. Right? Is that a sin as well? Yeah, it's also a sin. So if a person has is a glutton, are they going to say, oh, my genes made me glutton? Maybe your genes predisposed you to become a glutton or to become an alcoholic or to become a murderer, but we still have the choice. See, the predisposition does not mean that you have to act on what you feel. We all have the same problem as human beings. We have a body that is of the flesh. And because it's of the flesh, we have what is called the sinful nature. So what if I am predisposed to becoming homosexual? What if certain chemicals, certain exposures to a certain environment, stressors in my past life caused me to become homosexual? Does it mean I can now make an excuse for my homosexuality? No, it's the same thing. We cannot make an excuse for our alcoholism, for our gluttony, for murder, for lying. We just need to make the right choice. We don't engage in the behavior that we feel like doing, which we know is sinful, right? So homosexual behavior is not homosexual orientation. So a person can have homosexual urges, but it doesn't mean that they have practiced homosexuality. So you can have the urge, but you can overcome the urge and choose not to follow the urge that your flesh wants you to do. And is this possible? Is it possible for a person who, have, who has homosexual urges to not give in to the desires of the flesh? Absolutely. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 6. We read this earlier. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that. Apostle Paul is saying, hey, you Corinthians, some of you are practicing homosexuality. Now you belong to Yahusha, right? Now that you belong to Yahusha, Apostle Paul says, right, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Yahushua Christ and by the spirit of our God. So Apostle Paul is writing to uh, pagans who converted to Christianity, who received the spirit because they called upon the name of Yahushua Christ. So they belong to Yahushua now. And so Apostle Paul is telling them, look, before you used to practice homosexuality, but now you don't have to. You can overcome it. How? How can we overcome that? Well, let's keep reading. You read 9 to 11. Let's read 12 to 14. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, 
I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. And so according to Apostle Paul, before you used to be homosexual, you practice homosexuality, but now you have to remove homosexuality. Why? Because our bodies were made not for sexual immorality, and Yahuwah, Yahusha cares about our bodies. And so what Apostle Paul is telling us is, now that you belong to Yahusha, you practice what Yahusha wants, not what you want, because your body no longer belongs to you. It belongs to who? Yahusha. Why? Because he redeemed you with his blood. And so if we want the salvation of Yahusha by his blood, then we have to be willing to surrender our bodies too. You get it? That's what redemption is all about. You want to be redeemed by the blood of Yahusha? Then you have to accept that your body is part of that redemption. What does that mean? We have to surrender the use of our bodies to what Yahusha wants. And what does Yahusha want? Don't use it for sexual immorality. Because Yahusha cares about our body. And so how can we surrender our sinful nature so that we don't end up acting on what the flesh wants us to do? Romans 8, 5 to 8, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it be, can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. And so according to Apostle Paul, we belong to Yahusha. We now have an alternative choice. We have an option. What is that option? We can now have, we can now set our minds on what the spirit desires. Why? Because belonging to Yahusha means we can be empowered by the power of the spirit. You see, in us, we have the flesh, we have the spirit. It's like a battle in us, right? Sometimes we know the good that we have to do. But even though we know the good that we have to do, we end up doing what we don't want to do. There's this battle inside our flesh between the spirit and the flesh. There's a battle. Who gets to win the battle? Who will win the battle between the flesh and the spirit? It depends on what you feed. If you feed the spirit, the spirit will win. The flesh will become smaller and smaller and smaller. If you feed the flesh, the spirit will lose. The spirit will get, become less and less and less. And so what must we do? We have to feed our spirit. How do you feed the spirit? Set your minds on the spirit. Live according to the spirit. The more we practice and do the things of the spirit, guess what? The enticing and fleshly desires of our sinful nature become less and less potent, and we can easily say no to them. So that's the key. Because we belong to Yahusha, we cannot be empowered by the spirit of Yahuwah. This is why if we belong to Yahusha, you know, we cannot use, I was born this way as an excuse. Well, what if one does not belong to Yahusha, right? What if someone who's watching this program, well, they don't belong to our king. They don't believe in Yahusha. 
you know, and they say, well, I was born this way. Okay, let's say, let's just say for the sake of argument, you were born, you were born that way. Well, what does Yahushua tell us? What will Yahushua say to a person who may not yet belong to him? And they say something like this. I was born this way, therefore I will do this. You know, I'll, be, I'll practice homosexuality. This is what Yahushua says. Uh, in reply, Yahushua declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Yahushua answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And so let's say that you know, our genes made us who we are. Let's say our biology made us who we are with a desire for practicing homosexuality. Our King Yahushua says, you need to be born again. And so when a person says, I was born this way, okay, you were born that way, fine. But you can be born again. <laughs> How? By the Spirit. How so? Through water and the Spirit. In other words, by receiving baptism after believing in the gospel. You receive the Spirit of Yahuwah. So as people of Yahuwah, we do not use the excuse, you know, my flesh wants me to do this, therefore... That's who I am. You do not call yourself a glutton, do you? We don't call ourselves alcoholic. Or maybe some identify with that, but still it can be overcome. What's the way to overcome it? Ephesians 4.21, surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Yahushua. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So according to Apostle Paul, if you truly want to practice holiness, righteousness, when we are baptized into Yahusha, let us now purposely put on Yahusha and let Yahusha transform our minds and our hearts. And when we have that, we are no longer slaves of our flesh. And that's the whole point. That's why Yahushua says, you are no longer slaves when you became mine. <laughs> we become slaves of Yahushua, which means we no longer have to be slaves to sin. In other words, we no longer are at the mercy of what our flesh wants. And so brothers and sisters, for those who are listening to this program and they have certain tendencies, you know, certain desires that they know is not what Yehovah wants, why not pray to Yehovah, pray to Yehusha, to give them the ability to have a new, new attitudes, new mind, new hearts. Is that possible? Yes. Because with Yehovah, nothing is impossible. Apostle Paul says, through the power of Yehusha, I can do all things. And so this is what we believe. But brethren, let us make sure that we are careful and sensitive when we talk with people who are practicing homosexuality. Remember, we don't want to destroy their life. We want to destroy the sin, right? So that they can be brought to salvation. And so this can be done by proclaiming the truth in the spirit of what? Love. And that's what we're going to show you in our next episode, how we can do that. Not only that, but we will look first and foremost at how the passages of scripture can be twisted, right? 
and misapplied to make it appear that the Bible is condoning, that the Bible approves of homosexual practices. You're going to be shocked at uh, what some of these people are able to do, how to how they use scripture to approve the practice of homosexuality. That is for our next episode. Uh, but thank you for joining our Bible study for tonight. Before we go ahead and conclude, let us offer a prayer of thanksgiving. Almighty and loving Father Yahuwah, thank you so much for giving us guidance. Thank you, Father, because you care for each one of us. You care about what we do with our bodies. You care about our souls because you want your people to receive salvation and also to receive comfort, strength, even in this life. Father, we know the culture is so radically different from what you want us to believe and follow. Help us, Father, that we may be able to discern between your desire and the desires of the enemy, the desires of the world. Bless us with the spirit of truth. And when we preach and proclaim this truth, may you teach us to do so with love. Because you loved us even before we were converted. While we were sinners, you chose to love us. So loving Abba, may we follow that same spirit. May we never misrepresent you by hating on others. May we represent you by proclaiming the truth with the love that you have shown each one of us. Our King Yahushua, we follow your good example. May you help us to be your true disciples as we continue to be your change agents that we can make a difference across the world by upholding your light and your righteousness. Help us to do our best to please you, to honor you and the law that the Father has given us. Father, please bless your people throughout the world. If there be anyone amongst us who are experiencing the pull and influence of the flesh and the influence of culture and of the world, help us, please, by the power of your spirit to overcome all things. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen.